Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Business in Heels podcast, the podcast that inspires and educates women in business globally to succeed. Now over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of Business in Heels podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now my guest today says solving your client's frustrations is more important than offering the next shiny widget. Joining me on today's show is Janelle Gonzalez. Now, after 17 or more than 17 years, executive product and marketing roles she's had in blue chip finance and marketing companies globally, Janelle left the corporate life to build Blue Toro, Australia's second largest mobile automotive repair network. And she now teaches mechanics how to grab life by the bulls. Now, former race car crew chief Janelle can talk the lingo. She's been featured in the media for outing the industry's rip-offs, a regular talkback radio show guest and as well as a game changer. Now, on today's show, Janelle is going to share how to rethink business in a fast-changing marketplace. She's going to talk about how to be the highest rated in your industry, what you need to do and maybe not do, as well as how do we have the right sausage factory to scale our business. So let's welcome her to the show. Welcome. Hi, Emery. How are you? Good. What an incredible background. You were a former race car crew chief. Tell me, how did you get into that industry? Yeah, look, my um, my husband and I met 30-odd years ago, um, and he's a bit of a car nut, and I was myself. Um, we had a mutual interest in fast American cars and motorbikes, and um, I guess, um, you know, I kind of adapted to some of his interests. He drag races cars, has been doing that for 30 years, and I joined him on the circuit for a bit over 20 years, I think it was. It was a lot of fun pre-children, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. And I'd imagine that you take a lot of what you're doing today, you draw on that experience. It's amazing how so many um, previous experiences and even, as you mentioned, um, supporting in the, around what your husband loved to do has really uh, taken you. Because now, let me share with people again, Blue Toro, was that a company that you uh, founded through seeing a need? How did that come about? Yeah, my, my background, as you mentioned in the intro, was um, big corporates and I'd always built businesses within big corporates. Um, however, my husband is a mechanic, so that's where the connection is there. And he worked for some of the, the larger names in the automotive industry. And it was very clear um, 
some of the stories that you hear, often people hear stories around the rip-offs and so forth, they're, they're very true. They're, they're rife throughout the industry. And he was very much reprimanded on a regular basis for not selling enough of things that people didn't really need. So it got to the point where he just couldn't look at himself in the mirror and know that for him to make a good income, he'd have to rip off another family. So we decided, look, there's definitely a need in the market. There's definitely a need, one, for mobile convenience, but two, for um, trustworthy mechanics. Um, yes. So we combined our skills to scale uh, what was Australia's fastest um, growing automotive business, but certainly today is the highest rating automotive mechanics in Australia, which we're really proud of. Fantastic. It's incredible when you see that there is a, a real gap in the marketplace and sometimes that gap can be challenging the status quo of what often happens. And it really can, when you when you live and breathe that and you really do have that come across, as you mentioned, you don't rip off your clients. I'm sure that what you share with them is integral and you do excellence in your work, how that can make a huge difference. So when you're talking about rethinking your business in a fast-changing market, I mean, who knew that 12 months ago, actually probably a little bit more than that, we would be where we are today. So what you're going to share today is certainly relevant. So what are some things that we need to, to do to rethink our business? Look, I think one of the, the, the biggest challenges for business owners is not to stand still, right? So you come up with a great business model, you come up with a great plan, customers love it, and you can very easily get stuck in a rut of, okay, well, this is just how we do things. But the market's moving faster than it's ever moved before, and certainly the pandemic's um, contributed to that a fair bit. And I think a big part of it is really understand what's the business you're in, and for me, there was a big revelation that, you know what, I'm not in the business of fixing cars, nor is that really my passion, despite liking fast cars. Um, but kind of looking at what's the business you're really in, which relates to two key things. What is the problem you're ultimately trying to solve? Um, and what are the, the assets and the IP that you've either built or could build to solve that problem? Um, and certainly in my example, you know, realising we're not in the business of fixing cars, but rather that we'd built this marketing um, and, and technology infrastructure that allows mechanics to start and run a business. That's when things really shifted for me, um, particularly in the last 12 months with obviously the pandemic, people kind of take a a step back and, and reassess, you know, what they want to do, what does the market want, how am I going to make money? Um, and for us, we saw a, a huge need for, you know, independent workshops out there who don't have access to uh, large-scale enterprise-level systems and, and marketing. They don't have a lot of training or support from a business side of things. You know, they might be good at fixing cars. Uh, they might even be good with dealing with their customers, but they're not necessarily good at running a business. Um, so that's where I kind of realised, you know what, we're actually really good at running a business. We've built a whole um, infrastructure around it. That's our core IP and it's very scalable and it's something that we really enjoy. So um, that revelation alone has completely transformed our business in the last 12 to 18 months. Mm, fantastic. I love that. You know, often when you hear someone share a story such as just, such as what you've done, we go, oh, that's amazing, fantastic, makes sense. But often when we have to evaluate that from our own business, that can be really difficult. So take us through what are some of the things that you looked out for, some of the indications that, hang on a minute, this is really something that we can use, we can leverage to be that unique aspect 
what are some things that you did that you can share that others can start looking at their business differently so that they can pinpoint exactly what it is for them as they're rethinking their business and their model? Yeah, I went to two things. One was um, what's our assets and what's our IP? And the other thing was what is my joy, right? And my joy is not necessarily um, on the car servicing side and certainly that's not what I was doing on a day-to-day basis. But my my real joy is around um, building businesses Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of understanding what your joy is and how you can tap into that so you're within flow within your business. Yeah. You know, we all have to do things that we don't like doing, but how do you use what you've got to really be in flow and really enjoy what you're doing every day? And that's mm-hmm. when, you know, as soon as the passion comes in and you enjoy doing what you're doing, it's not work anymore. Yes. Um, you just really start to thrive and that's where, you know, your business can really start to head in the direction you want. Um, but the first thing I did, uh, particularly when, you know, your back's up to the wall and things are changing in business like it has been, what um, have you built that's a saleable asset? Yes. And, and and for different people of uh, different businesses, that looks different. Um, and I started to really nut out what have we built here that we could make money from? Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, you know, I knew that we'd built a CRM. Uh, and we built it over a number of years and it had a lot of customization to it and we'd customize it specific for the automotive industry. Yes. I knew that we had this um, Google and marketing infrastructure that worked really, really well. So we've got over 1,800 five-star reviews across 75 locations, wow. more than any other auto business. And we had a whole, um, we still do have a whole system and process around uh, how that how that works. Um so those two things, as, as well as, you know, a, a strong brand, as well as all the training, you know, in our operations manuals of franchise, we have to map out step by step how you start an automotive business, uh, how you then go about your first 90 days and how do you kickstart that business? How do you manage your finance, your marketing, your, your sales? We'd already mapped that out over a number of years and have trained over 50 mechanics to start and run their business successfully. Yes. So it was okay, well... You know, at this point in time, getting more franchisees to do what we'd always done because we're traditionally a franchise business was just getting harder and harder. Mm. So in Australia in late 2018, there was the um, parliamentary inquiry into franchising. Um, That had a negative impact on us. Uh, We obviously had the pandemic as well. So all of those things meant it was harder and harder to find an employed mechanic who wanted to come and start their own business. So Mm. it's like, okay, well, that's not really working for us right now. We can't rely on the growth there. But hang on a minute. There's 23,000 independent workshops out there who aren't attached to a large brand, who don't have the systems in place mm-hmm. that we have so it was it was um connecting those dots so what's where is an opportunity in the market where is the problem that you can solve yes. that aligns to the assets that you have in your business mm-hmm. and that ultimately aligns to the joy and and working in your own flow yeah what i love about what you've just said uh, is that you know so often you're doing things really well and for you it was the marketing for you it was those systems and then recognizing you know what there's actually a bankable there this is something that others need as well and looking at well what can we do to be able to support those others and then 
creating an incredible business or revenue stream from that. We've had a couple of people that uh, have commented, I'm not sure who this is, but great approach, loves that approach there, Janelle, and we have uh, Michelle Pascoe saying congratulations. So I uh, love that. What I've also you know, heard from that is you're constantly looking at you know, how can we improve things, um, what are the different avenues in the marketplace, especially looking out for what the what's happening in the industry. Do you think that from when we're talking about rethinking our business in a fast-changing market, by not keeping a finger across the pulse, for you recognising, hang on a minute, there seems to be some negative press and, and understanding around this whole franchisee model, we need to start to shift and change. Would you say that businesses really do need to start being tapped into what's happening so that that can almost be like a guide or a, a flag to say we need to start looking at approaching so that all of a sudden one day we don't wake up and that business model or sorry that business revenue stream has suddenly come to an end it's important isn't it Absolutely. And I've, I've made that mistake many times, you know, in terms of relying on other people telling me what's happening on the ground. Uh, it's really important to stay connected with your clients. I mean, that's that sounds obvious. Um, and, and you can put things in place around net promoter scores and, and track um, sentiment over time. But, you know, just back to the basics of listening to phone calls, um, going out and visiting your clients, really understanding uh, where they sit, uh, but what are the problems they're facing? Might not have anything to do with your business, but, you know, what is the market sentiment out there? What are the problems they're facing on a day-to-day -day basis? Really trying to get into the mindset and understanding, you know, their day-to-day -day and, and who they are. Um, yes. You know, as well as obviously keeping in touch with what's happening in the industry. Uh, and in the automotive industry, there's a large number of things happening both locally and globally from a social perspective, reg regulatory technology, you know, trying to keep across all of that as well to understand where is the threats that I need to be aware of because, you know, it's, you want to see it coming. You don't, you don't want it to oh, come. Oh, that's right. You want to see that coming. But also where are the opportunities in that? So you can, you know, be agile and take some first mover advantages so that you might look at things in a, in a way that your competitors don't, um, particularly when you're a smaller size business. You know, the, mm. one of the best things about being on the smaller side is you tend to be more agile. Yes, and yeah. which is a real bit benefit. What what I think is really important too is there there needs to be a, a, almost like a balance, if you will, because there are so many different opportunities that could be possible. But it's being aware of that, having enough information so that if all of a sudden you do need to make a shift and a move, it's not like from a a, a, a stop start of them. You've got already some research that you've been doing and probably constantly will continue to do because you want to make sure that you're relevant to the market, which I. Think beautifully segues into the next point that you want to share how to be the highest rated in your industry now just repeat for those who may be joining us or how many feedbacks have you got you there was like many many so what was that number we have eight, more than 1,800 five-star Google reviews. Our aggregate rating across our 75 locations is 4.93, yes. uh, which is the highest um, for any mechanic. So if you, if you Google mechanics, I mean, we've all heard the stories. Um, uh, unfortunately, our guys can get a bit of a bad rap, um, but 4.93 is the highest in the industry. So we're really proud of that. 
Wow. Just uh, before I, I get you to share, Janelle, on what are some of the things that we need to have in place to be the highest rated? Uh, wow. You just helped me unlock a solution for my business. Well, there you go. You, you just don't know the type of uh, content that someone will share, insight that someone will share, which will suddenly open up a, a pathway, which is exactly what we're talking about. Keep tapped in um, to, uh, to the conversations. So what are some things that we need to be mindful of so that we can can position our businesses and be that highest rating in that industry? Look, I started off really simply, which was to ask customers what they didn't like. Uh, so, you know, in, in our industry, it was I found it quite, quite easy because mechanics, um, poor guys, do get a bad rap. Um, but we started the business by going out to, um, you know, a small customer base we had at the time, as well as just going out to anybody and everybody, because most people have an experience with a mechanic just simply asking them, what don't you like? Mm -hmm. And we got a raft of um, stories and, uh, you, know, you know, the sentiment from the market was super clear. Um, they feel like they're being ripped off. They have no control over the, the bill. Um, communication's quite poor. You know, there were all the things that you can, can imagine. Um, so we just made a very clear decision. Okay, how do we build a business model that's the complete opposite? Mm -hmm. So every decision we made was through that lens of what, people don't like, we're going to be the complete opposite. And what do people like? Um, so all the, the training, our branding, all of our messaging, we made sure that all of our customers are completely in control of their vehicles, um, know exactly what's going on. Um, you know, have, uh, you know, we try and save them money, which is very unusual in our industry versus charging everything up front. You know, every decision we made was through that lens. And, uh, you know, it meant that when we started um, obviously working with our customers, it was almost like the, they just were in shock that this was the experience they were getting. Um, and certainly there's a lot of areas of improvement we can make, but just simply being very authentic, uh, communicating really well, being clean, like our mechanics just being clean when they turned up, all those little things made such a huge difference and it wasn't difficult to then say, hey, you know, would you mind giving us a five-star review? So it's kind of, it's built on that. And mm -hmm. and there's a lot of learnings along the way as well. You know, we take feedback very seriously and we've, we've automated a process for, for feedback. And I love getting the four stars because mm -hmm. the four stars are like, okay, well, what's that, that little thing we could have done or the big thing? What's that one thing we could have done that would have made it a five-star? And those little pieces of gold nuggets uh, has really helped us along the way. Yeah. With, uh, you mentioned you have a process. So I would imagine that getting feedback and asking for those honest reviews and what, you know, where are the areas that you really would uh, have gone five star re review? That has been golden nuggets upon which, as you said, the whole model of your business was we're going to do everything differently and opposite from what traditionally the industry does. So you would have a process that you do that on an ongoing basis to check in with existing customers, yes? Yes, absolutely. Now, technology is a wonderful thing now, and we've you know probably all heard of marketing automation and what that can do in the back end. But yeah. after every single job, we ask our customers what their service was like, and we personalise that with the name of the mechanic and you know how was how was Joe's service today, mm -hmm. and we ask them to rate between one to five. And all of our mechanics have KPIs around their net promoter score, uh, yes. so we track that very closely. 
if someone gives less than a, a five star, we ask for that feedback and we get that feedback directly so then we can work with the, the customer and the mechanic. Uh, if it's a five star, we ask them for a five star review on Google. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, from an automated point of view, that's that's all automated and that's really helped us build those numbers up. Um, but don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. You know, when we train, when we train our um, new mechanics, we say to them, you know, ask your customer for a five-star review and often they're quite nervous to do that. Uh, people don't mind being asked. doesn't mean they'll do it, but um, put your hand up and ask for a five-star review if you think you've done a good job. Yeah, fantastic. So for people who may not have heard that term before, net promoter score, do you want to just give a, a brief overview? What does that mean? What, what is it looking for? It's looking for trends and sentiments across your customer base. Um, and we do that with our mechanics and we do it with our end vehicle owners as well. Um, as I said, we do that with every job, but with our mechanics, uh, we were sending out a survey once a quarter to, and basically said, how would you rate us between one and five? Mm -hmm. One simple question. Um, and we kept that question consistent quarter on quarter. And we could see, is a score going up? Is it going down? And we could um, quickly identify if the score is dipping. Okay, there's something going on here. Um, mm -hmm. And we'd ask for feedback, but it just gave us it's a, a litmus test more than anything else to say, you know, are your customers happy with you or not? Yes. And just for if people have missed it, I would imagine that what you are scoring people on very much is aligned to an experience or a task, a function that your team is providing. Because sometimes there's a disconnect there, isn't there? And so what you're saying is the feedback that you're get, get, getting is constantly allowing you to evolve and ensure that you're delivering as, at the level that you want, yes? And, and the secondly, how would you come up with some of those key pillars or the key information that you wanted to ask your clients to give you feedback on. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. Um, I think the, the, the challenge is don't ask too many questions, right? Sim simply because you can confuse the issue very quickly. Uh, and certainly if you can keep um, your question or questions consistent, that's how you're going to get a, a real feel for sentiment. If you start changing the questions, you really don't have much to base it off. Um, so for, our, for both of our customer groups, we really just ask one question. Um, sometimes we go into a bit more detail, but for our vehicle owners, it was how was your service with Joe today, rating at one out of five. Um, and for our uh, mechanics, it was how um, satis overall, how satisfied overall, overall are you with Blue Toro um, between one and five? So it's really simple questions. Um, you know, simple, simple. I believe is usually best. Um, and people will tell you. You know, if you start to make the questions too complex. Sometimes it can muddy the water and they just go down a rabbit hole, but they'll soon tell you if they're happy or not. Yeah, I love that. Simple and uh, straight to the point. And as you say, if you get a four, then you're able to investigate a little bit further. How can we make that a five for you the next time? Love it. Now, I love this question too. How do we have the right sausage factory to ensure that we're able to scale our business? So share more about this, Janelle. Uh, look, people are sick of me mentioning the sausage factory, I'm sure, <laughs> uh, and certainly I could do it much better in my business. But I think it's if you want to scale a business in particular, right, and there is a difference between growing a business and scaling a business, mm. uh, particularly if you want to scale, having a really um, systemised approach to how you attract new clients, 
right through to the delivery process to how you thank them at the end and get that repeat business uh, is, is really crucial. And this works in any type of business, service industries, manufacturing, retail, it doesn't really matter. Um, but having, you know, simply just mapping out all the steps, what is the customer life cycle? You know, they they hang out on Facebook, they find me on Facebook. Okay, well, how do you attract them into your lead funnel? Um, and what are the conversion metrics around that? How do you take them through a, a lead nurture? How do you make that sale? Uh, what's your delivery process and the, the service with that client? Um, how do you ask for their five-star rating at the end? How do you get them to become a repeat business? So it's actually sitting down and mapping out end-to-end -end that whole journey uh, your customer has with you mm -hmm. and then having a process around each of those, a documented process, so everyone's on the same page in terms of your team, in terms of what's going to be uh, delivered or built. But then importantly, what are the metrics attached to each of those? So having a way to, to measure every single step and tracking that to know if leads aren't converting or if customers are not happy or, um, you know, your widgets are costing too much to build or whatever that metric looks like, um, you know, what's going right, what's going wrong. So you can constantly be in this process of continued improvement. Uh, so you're always looking for that next one percenter that you can tweak uh, that overall over a period of time just creates this really streamlined delivery uh, process for your clients. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, you needed to document all of this because you took your business model and you franchised it. And that obviously is what you're sharing with your franchisees, the systems processes, so they don't have to reinvent the wheel. For a business who's listened to you, and I know we've got a lot of comments there. We've got Samjeet there saying, great session. Thanks for being here. Uh, Michelle's left a few more uh, comments here too. For someone who's just recognising, you know what, Janelle, we don't really have that, but we do need to start doing that. Obviously, what it will end up with and what you have now is far more uh, informed, far more complex, I'm sure, than when you first started. Where is a great place to start? And then, obviously, we can add when we're looking at that mm -hmm. systems, the processes, so it doesn't become overwhelming and it's a project that we start but never really finish. Yeah, it's one of those projects that um, can never end sometimes. Uh, there's always more to do. And it's uh, for most people, it's probably their least favourite project to do. And it, it can be um, also just very daunting. You know, where do I start? And this thing's way too big. I'll get to it tomorrow. Um, the way I started and, and I always talk about is just map out your methodology really simply. Like what's the first thing that's happened? What's the second thing that happens? And have no more than about five steps. And just start with those at the at a high level. What are those five things? And then just start with the first one. And you know what? Just just put aside an hour and just start to type down all the dot points of what has to happen. It doesn't have to be pretty. Uh, it doesn't have to be 100%. If you can knock out, you know, 80% of the meat of that in an hour, then you can start to, um, you know, obviously get the second, the third, the fourth step. And then you can start to flesh it out over time. It's really just starting simply and starting at the start and um, not over-engineering everything. Yeah. The things that you just mentioned, I think, for every business we need to have in place, not just because we may want to franchise it down the, the track, but for the point of view that I'm sure when you started to do that, 
hindsight is a wonderful teacher. I'm sure that you've been able to streamline, improve, um, automate things that had you not documented and taken the time to do that, you would never have been able to perfect or, or get to a stage that it's really working and streamlined for you. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And what's always been drummed into me by the various mentors I've had is uh, you building you building an asset, and whether you choose to sell it or not sell it, the the assets that you build within your business impact the valuation of your business. Uh, so if you've got everything documented and streamlined, one day you might want to raise investment or equity. Uh, one day you might want to sell it. These are all things that potential buyers or equity investors will, will look at. Um, yes. And even if you don't intend to go down that path, um, one, you never know what's around the corner, but two, it does very quickly highlight inefficiencies in your business, which mm -hmm. when, when you have that information, obviously it's, it's much easier to solve. Yeah, and even if people are solopreneurs, they're working very much on their own. And I know that many, if you think of the business and heels, but also the community that, that are watching and listening to this, could be solopreneurs who are very much selling their services, their expertise. To be able to expand your business, you need to get everything out of here and to document. Otherwise, you become your greatest, you're your greatest asset, but you can become your greatest bottleneck because yes. there is nothing that you can train. But um, so I, I think this is so, so important. And even more so too, there are aspects that you've shown, demonstrated, that because of that, that has enabled you to monetize a completely different arm of your business because mm -hmm. of the the documentation and the and need, a huge need with other mechanics, other workshops who didn't mm -hmm. have the ability to, to do that. And I'm sure that others who follow suit and do that within their own industries may just be opening up another completely mm -hmm different avenue to be able to do this so before we end i'm definitely going to give you an opportunity to share uh, how people can connect with you the kind of work that, that you do do but moving forward i mean we're still kind of in the midst even from a global perspective of still a lot of industries being um, in the midst of, of struggle so moving forward what are some of the things that you're doing it perhaps it could be an insight and, and some hope yeah. and possibility for other businesses who really are just kind of got my goodness you know when is the, the light at the end of the tunnel what insights you want to share as we finish up um, I think in terms of where we're at, we're at at the moment, it's really about how do we just continue to be more and more efficient? How do we just get tighter than we've ever been before? Because we don't know what's around the corner. None of us do in the last 12 months have taught us that. So how do we become more efficient? Um, but also how do we continue to ask the questions around what's frustrating us? So every, every week in our team meetings, I ask every single one of my team members, what's frustrating you? And I focus my energy on moving those frustrations out of their way so they can do what they're best at. Uh, and we also go and ask our clients, what is frustrating you? Because uh, we all get, you know, we all get caught up in let's build a new thing and a new process and a new product and, a, you know, I've got a new marketing idea. But are we, you know, are we actually solving the end problems of the day? So I think, you know, for me, it's not losing sight of what's the real problem we're trying to solve and, and how do we remove those frustrations for both the client and the team so we yes. can all get on with business and, and not only survive but thrive. Yeah. I love how you said that, Janelle, and it's so true when you've asked your customers 
what's frustrating you? Because so often we might ask them the opposite and say, well, what do you need? And it reminds me of an analogy I read a while ago, and I think it likens it to the Henry Ford who would have gone out to customers and said, well, what will you need? What do you want? They would have said faster horses. However, you know, as we know, the, the, the Ford, and I don't know whether that analogy is correct or not, but it speaks beautifully into what you were sharing, is often customers don't know, but they do know what they're struggling with and they've probably got yes. a fantastic list of those struggles. If you can bring that, solve that problem, challenge the status quo of the industry, that in and of itself will put you miles ahead of what other, uh, you know, other play players in your industry. And you know what? What you've done, you've become the highest rating that go to for other workshops in your industry too because of the fact that you took that lead and became the answer to their problems loved your story loved that you came on today to share that Janelle how can people connect with you how can you best support them share all of that good stuff before we finish up the show today Oh, the easiest way, website, um, bluetoro.com.au or our 1300 number, 1300bluetoro.com.au or look me up on LinkedIn. Um, you'll find me quite easily there. Fantastic. And, of course, if you are watching one of the live streams, especially on LinkedIn, we'll tag Janelle on that. We are streaming live to LinkedIn. Please connect with uh, Janelle there and um, and certainly go to the website too. Well, thanks once again for coming on the show, Janelle. It has um, been wonderful and I can see from the comments that are already there. Uh, people have had ahas. I'm sure they're going to pull out pen and paper and start brainstorming how they can rethink their business models moving forward. So thanks once again for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. <laughs>